Hey, Diz After Dark listeners. I want to invite you all to join us over on ScareZone, Halloween Horror Nights podcast. ScareZone is a news, interview, history, and commentary podcast all about Universal's premier Halloween event. It's hosted by fans and experts like me, Logan Seculo, former WWE superstar Scotty Too Hottie, and Diz After Dark's own Chris Ripley. Subscribe however you get podcasts and head over to ScareZone.com for more information. We here at the show are proud supporters of Diz After Dark. And remember, keep your eyes closed and your ears open on ScareZone. Hello and welcome to a spooky Halloween edition of Disaster Dark. I am Nick and tonight I am joined by uh, Mr. P-Dubs. Hello. And Miss Boston White. How are we doing? Hey, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween indeed. Um, now, Bing Crosby once sang, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Um, or was it Dean Martin? A crooner, a crooner once sang it's the most wonderful time of the year. Um, and we was always led to believe that that was Christmas. But I don't know about you guys. I love Halloween. I love Halloween. Has anyone been uh, pumpkin picking this year? Yes, I went pumpkin picking yesterday. Oh. I took my four-year-old brother to a super muddy farm. And I just had surgery on Friday. I know that like nobody knows that, but I had surgery on Friday. And then I went to a pumpkin patch yesterday, and he literally had me picking up the most gigantic pumpkins that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and now I've got an entire house filled with pumpkins. <laughs> I, the problem is as well. I mean, I, I don't know how how you feel around pumpkins, who are misses, but um, I I don't actually like pumpkin. What? I love pumpkin everything. Okay, so that's that's probably where it's better for you then. Yeah, I just, I don't know what it is, but I'm just not a fan of the taste of pumpkin. I love pumpkin. I love pumpkin spice latte. I love pumpkin soup. Everything pumpkin, I love. P-dubs? I have to agree with you, Nick. I'm not a fan either. Yeah, oh, I mean... Nice. Pumpkin, pumpkin pie... Um, we had a, like a pumpkin pecan pie last year. That was fairly pleasant. Although what I discovered is apparently tin pumpkin isn't real pumpkin. What? What yeah. is it then? I don't know. Some some amalgamation of stuff, but it's not pumpkin. Butternut squash. Well, possibly. <laughs> it's probably just coloured or something. But yeah, it's not actual proper pumpkin, which is probably why I didn't mind it. But um, we so we went to a, a local farm. Did uh, had a pumpkin patch. Um, I don't know if this is a regular thing, because this is, this is new to, to where we live. Um, or oh, sorry, let me re- flip reverse that. We're new to the area, so therefore, I don't know if they do this every year, but they, they have a pumpkin patch, a massive, massive uh, farmland, and just pumpkins as far as the eye could see. Um, we went to there at the beginning of October, and uh, they had a maze as well. A maze maze. 
if you yeah, will. Yeah, same. The one that I was at had one. And uh, they were growing as well multicoloured corn, ah. which they called spooky corn. So, like, the actual kernels were uh, red, uh, black, white, uh, which was quite interesting. I, we didn't eat any of it. We just had it for decoration. Because apparently, I don't, I don't think it's, it's very good for eating, but very good for displays. Um, and we did come away with a wheelbarrow full of pumpkins of various sizes. Um, and then yesterday we went to, it was my son's birthday, so we took him to like a, an, I think they called it an adventure farm. Or maybe uh-huh. an entertainment farm or something. But it was basically a farm with loads of things there to do as well. So like, there was like an adventure playground and... Um, some shows going on and stuff like that and um, they had a pumpkin patch quite small in comparison but you could you got a pumpkin free as a child so um, my daughter picked up a um, peculiar shaped pumpkin actually there was loads of round ones but she got one that was more of an aubergine shape and um, then you could take it and get get it carved and they had people there that would actually carve it for you if you told them what you wanted but the poor girl that was carving our one um, the pumpkin was so thick. Um, it must have been something to do with the shape, but it, like you know, I mean, pumpkins aren't you know really thin, but I mean, this was exceptional. It took her ages. It, oh. I really felt sorry for her in the end, <laughs> and she did a fairly good job. So we've done like a little window display. So we've got cobwebs uh, and some pumpkins on the windowsill in the front room to let people know that we're all about Halloween. And we've got a nice little pumpkin patch on our dining room table as well. So, uh, so all good. But, uh, yeah, big fan of Halloween. But, from a Disney note, Halloween, to me, that I mean, I know it's not the only film, but the one that I, I always kind of associate with Halloween is The Nightmare Before Christmas. But, yes. is it a Halloween film or is it a Christmas film? Oh. Can it be both? Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, I it's do, definitely. I do tend to watch it nearer Christmas. It yeah, I watch my, it both. Yeah, it used to be my Christmas Eve film for a while. A good few years, that would be my go-to film on Christmas Eve for some strange reason. I'm not sure why actually, but um, yeah, but I, I do I do love it. Um, I was having I was having a discussion with somebody online the other day about it because. Um, it's a very hipster film, The Night Before Christmas now. And I remember that, because I used to read American comics um, back in the early 90s, and um, you'd always get adverts in comic books to advertise, you know, all number of things, TV shows, um, films. And I remember seeing uh, an advert for The Night Before Christmas, and, and it was just a poster. So the um, the weird kind of hill that's there in the moon and uh, you know the outline of, of Jack and it fascinated me and it, it said like you know this October or whatever but it took a year for it to come out in the UK so it came out in October 1993 in America but we didn't get it till 1994 and um, and I was absolutely desperate to see it I, I and also this is like pre-internet so there was no trailers I wasn't able to like see a trailer or anything like that in advance of it um, but I was just keeping my eye out for it coming out, and uh, I remember going to my local cinema and seeing it, and coming out really excited. But you couldn't buy anything; there was no merchandise, and that's the weird thing when you think about it now, because you can't move for Nightmare Before Christmas merchandise. Yeah, 
No. If I go somewhere and they've got something Nightmare Before Christmas, I'm buying it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember... Let's go on, Paul. We actually watched a video yesterday of all the stuff that's at Disneyland Paris at the moment in the shops, and it's just ridiculous. You could not move for Jack stuff. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, I, I mean, there's a, you know, the, the famous joke about, you know, Hot Topic is the, the shop that Jack built. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it's basically the Night Before Christmas shop. Um, but when that film came out, there was a line of action figures, and that was it. And they never come out in the UK. So, again, it was something that I saw in magazines, but I couldn't buy. And I remember they, I think it must have been around the early the early 2000s or so, someone bought the moulds, a toy company bought the moulds, and they re-released them. And I went out when I had money, you know, before you have responsibilities and stuff, and you just had nothing but disposable income. And I went up to Forbidden Planet in London and bought the whole lot. Amazing. Oh, I love them. And, I mean, now, you know, there's obviously things advance and improve. You can get some really great um, action figures and, um, you know, models of Jack and Sally and all that. You know, I mean, the merchandise is ridiculous now. But, you know, it was the film Disney wanted to hide. Because it wasn't even a Disney film. When it came out, it was Touchstone. But now, Disney pretend it's their film. I mean, Disney and Touchstone, you know same parent company and whatever but Disney would not release it under the Disney banner for fear of it being too scary that was the whole thing very strange um, have you ever seen the concepts as well the concepts are for the ride no I've seen bits of it so I mean obviously in, in Disneyland there's the overlay they do at Christmas mm-hmm. uh, well Halloween it's not so Christmas um, for the, the haunted, what's it called? The um, it's just called the haunted holiday. holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I do for is it last? Isn't it it's like September to January or something? Or October to January? September. Yeah, September. Yeah. So like yeah. early early January and it gets reverted back again. Um, but they were talking at one stage. I mean, I don't know how serious it got. I, I imagine not that serious. But um, they were talking of replacing one of the haunted mansions with a Nightmare Before Christmas ride, and it would have been coffin-shaped vehicles wow. that you'd have travelled in. And it was essentially a dark ride, but just just based around just based around that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, I'm, I like. I, I've never been on it because I've never been there. Um, I've never been there, um, but I've always loved looking at the Nightmare Before Christmas holiday. Um, how would you feel if they replaced one of the Haunted Mansions or even Phantom Manor with a Nightmare Before Christmas attraction? Do you think it, it could get away with it or do you think it's such an iconic attraction that it would just be blasphemy? I love Nightmare Before Christmas so, so much, but I love Haunted Mansions so much as well, so I'd be disappointed, I think. Mm. Yeah, I have to agree. I've, I've been on the holiday one and it, it spoils it. Wow, really? Yeah. Especially if you're only going for like a week, two weeks, and you, you're going and you're missing out on one of their major rides because they put something over the top of it. Oh, that's a shame. Mm. Yeah, see you, mate. I, I, I understand what you mean. Because, I mean, at the moment, they're actually, I saw a photo of this today. This is, this is kind of breaking news. That um, they, they are repainting Space Mountain in Disneyland Paris at the moment. 
Yep. So it's got a kind of blue hue to some of the. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what you'd call it, but not not the main building, but it's on the main building. It's like a. I don't know. I don't know what you'd actually describe it as, but some of the uh, the metalwork uh, around Space Mountain is being turned blue. I wonder what I could do with the rest of the building. Do you, do you think that we're going to get a painted Space Mountain? Do you think they'll go full, like full steam ahead and paint it all white or something? It wouldn't surprise me, but then I think they'll do something Star Wars themed. Well, yeah, because I mean, I, I I mean when I looked at the color blue, I couldn't work out what in Star Wars that kind of represented. No. I, I still can't now. <laughs> I've been wrecking my brains on it a little bit, um, other than like lightsabers or something. But you know, it's yeah. not like a blue is is a, a color that's seen throughout Star Wars, other than weapons. No. So, uh, but white is the color of the other space mountains. Yeah. Isn't it? So that that's why I thought maybe maybe they'll do it white. I mean, I think they need to do something with the color of it if it's going to be Star Wars for a, you know the foreseeable future uh, next year. But um, Surprise! I started work on it so soon. I suppose, but that's not really Halloweeny. You know, when we we're talking about Halloween, we're talking about spookier things. Um, and what we were able to do, um, I, I would argue, the second scariest scariest ride or spookiest ride at Disney Park is probably the Tower of Terror. What's first? Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion. Um, I think they're equally scary. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I, I'd only put Haunted Mansion above it just because it was there first, mm. and by quite a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'd say the the cast members are equally spooky on both attractions, um, and obviously we've been talking a lot about that recently because of uh, the change in Disneyland to or the forthcoming change in Disneyland of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, escape ride that's going to be taking place there instead um, and what we were able to do um, got a hot interview courtesy of P-Dubs being so talented uh, or as John Travolta might say wickedly talented um, at being able to get an amazing guest so we recorded this interview uh, a few days ago and we'll play it out for you now and we'll join the other side of it Um before we, we start playing that interview for you, um, we did record this over the telephone rather than how we usually do. So the sound quality is not quite as as clear as it is normally. We can only apologise for that. We couldn't get the Skype working for that. Um, but that doesn't stop it being a fantastic interview. So um, enjoy. <laughs> Right, well, welcome, and thank you for joining us on this episode of uh, of this After Dark, where we do have a special guest. So, first of all, I'd like to say that uh, I'm joined by our usual uh, host on this show, uh, Miss Boston White. Amanda, how are you doing? I'm all right. Good. And we've got P-Dubs himself, Paul Washington, who is travelling on the bus as we speak. Hello, good evening. And I hope you're making everyone aware just how big a deal you are being on that bus whilst doing this podcast. Good stuff. That's what I like to hear. But we have uh, an extremely special guest um, all the way from uh, America, which is where some of our better guests have been, but this is a particularly special guest. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm Mark Silverman. Now. The voice actor. 
<laughs> I was going to say, I mean, people might have possibly uh, recognised uh, your dulcet tones there a little bit, but as you say, you are uh, a voice actor. So, um, in case people haven't recognised your voice already, where may they have heard you from? Well, you can hear me if you ride the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror ride. I'm the voice of Rod Serling, the host of the Twilight Zone. Wow. Now, I mean, the Twilight Zone has actually been something we've been talking about quite a lot on the show recently. Um, but um, it, it, it's amazing to have you on, so thank you so much. Um, I suppose the first question I wanted to ask is how you got that gig? I was already a voice actor in the 80s and 90s, and I was a good mimic. I could sound like other people. I, I had a real talent for that. So my friend called me up and said that his agent just sent him on an audition to be a Rod Serling voice for a new Disney ride. This is 1993. And I thought that was weird because I didn't understand how Disney would connect with a Twilight Zone ride, you know. So I went down there to audition, and I didn't think much of it, because, but I knew Twilight Zone so well, but I didn't really do a Rod Serling impression when I was a kid. Right. But I already had my normal speaking voice. wasn't that much different than Rod Serling. Like, my father had a voice like that, too. So I just kind of read it like me and gave it a little Twilight Zone flair. And then a few weeks later, the woman that I auditioned for called me and said Disney really liked it, and they wanted to see me for a second audition at Walt Disney Imagineering. So I went down there, and every time I auditioned, the audition kept getting smaller and smaller, and I found out I got it, and that was that. Wow. I just loved that whole thing. It's amazing, wasn't it? Absolutely amazing. I mean, it's something about... I mean, you know, obviously we've got silly accents being British, uh, and they vary quite a bit, but um, hearing you kind of go in and out from your, you know, your everyday speaking voice into uh, something like that, it just was incredible. Uh, just well, fascinating. Well, well, thank you. <laughs> um, now, I mean, that's, I mean, that's probably the... The, the thing that most Disney fans would, would know you for, but I yes. mean, it's not the only voice work you've done, is it? No, but that's by far, you know, the most exciting. I mean, that is to be the voice of a, a big Disney ride. And I was already a Disney nut growing up. I used to go to Disneyland when I was a kid and a teenager with a little tape recorder just to record the rides and then listen wow. to the tapes. I, I was fanatical about it. So when I got their job, it was, I mean, nobody could believe it, because I was always known as, like, the Disneyland guy. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking through your um, your resume, as it were, because the best thing, um, you know, is, is to be able to easily get access to this now. I mean, I'm, I remember, um, you know, 20 years or so ago when you didn't have things like the Internet Movie Database, where you might I watch know. a film and think... Oh, I'm going to have to get a book now to try and work out where I might have seen that actor before. And now you have it all at your, at your fingertips. And, um, I know. Now, now you just push a button. Yeah. Everything's so easy now. Exactly. And what I, what, um, now it says, it says I'm pretty, so I'm going to check this. So we know you've done the Twilight Zone ride, but 
it says here that you also did uh, Rod Serling in an episode of Medium. They did a weird episode of Medium where it was in 3D, and they wanted Rod Serling to come in in the beginning and tell you how to put the glasses on and all that sort of thing. <laughs> so I kind of did what I did with with Tower of Terror, where I just revoiced the real Rod Serling. Because yeah, because that was the thing as well, wasn't it? It it was. The, the footage used was from a Twilight Zone episode, so right. you, you had the kind of uh, the, the base there to, to kind of uh, lean on, uh, but obviously then had to kind of tweak it to what it was, was required weird for the attraction. It was like my lower jaw was in the picture talking when it was that medium show, and it looked weird. It didn't. I don't think it quite came off because it was a strange effect. Well, I mean, I suppose you're going to be critical of yourself because most people in in that profession are. But um, yeah, I'd like to politely disagree with that. <laughs> oh well, thank you. But in in Tower of Terror, when you see the Rod Serling clip, I'm just saying, you know, this is what really throws people because it's done so well how that's edited together. When you see Rod Serling, I'm just saying exactly what he's saying. Hmm. So there was no. You know, I didn't have to say other words that he wasn't saying, where that would be extra hard to make it look real. Yeah. But, um, so, I know it's, it's potentially a silly question now, but um, you're the voice of the ride. How many times have you been on the attraction, and do you actually like the ride? I Well, I love that ride. I mean, I've been on so many times. I don't even know how to come, I don't know how many times, but I wish I took a little, you know, that I was taking notes, but I've been to Walt Disney World probably 10 times since the ride opened. I probably go on at least eight times each time I'm there. So I would guess, it's got to be at least 100 times that I've been on the ride, I would guess. And then, you know, there's one in California, and I've been on that one probably 100 times. We'll talk about the California one in a in a second. Um, and, and do you do the the, the same um, work in Paris? Is yeah, well, they as well. They have a French guy doing it, but if there's enough English speaking people on the ride, the cast member flicks a switch and I come on. <laughs> <laughs> I actually spoke to you about that the other day, Mark. We got lucky and got a, a whole group of English people go on the ride. Oh, um, good. And the English version on for us. Oh, um, I'm, ha I'm happy did, to hear that. Yeah, we we actually did get your version of it um, not so long ago. <laughs> Thank you. So there is there is love for you there. It's just not quite as as well known uh, as it is in the American parks. Um, so right. I've got to be honest. Um, I've I think in Paris actually. I've got a weird, a weird love-hate relationship with the, the Twilight Zone because I love, absolutely love the theming of it, and I love uh, the scenes and, and how all the effects are done. I think it's, it's probably the best ride in terms of that um, in any of the Disney parks in terms of, of how they've made it happen. But I don't like the drop, so I have to really kind of coax myself on to go on the ride. I'm just basically a big wimp. Um, yeah. But I've not done the I Paris understand. one as much. Wait, what? I've not done the, the, the Paris version of the ride as much as I've done the uh, the ride in, in Walt Disney World. So I've not actually heard in France 
uh, your narration, but apparently uh, Paul was saying that, um, as you say, there's enough English people there, but if you ask politely, sometimes they'll do it as well. So next time I go uh, for the 25th anniversary, I'm going to try and see if I can get to hear your voice there as well. Yeah, you mean, oh, for the 25th anniversary of Disneyland Paris? Yes, next year. I see. Yeah, yeah well, well, that ride doesn't have that fifth dimension area where the elevator moves forward like the Disney World one has. Yes. Yeah, which, I mean, and California's the same. Um, right. And I do think you lose uh, a lot. I, I know it's not a particularly long scene, really, but it, it, it pardon the pun, but it do, does add an extra dimension to the ride. I, I think yeah, that, that's what I that think. section's amazing because it's completely unexpected. Going up in a lift and going down very fast in a lift, you, you kind of know you're going to go up and you're going to go down. But all yeah, of a sudden, right. you get to a point, and then you go forward, and lifts aren't supposed to go forward or backwards. They're supposed to go up and down. You're exactly right. I, I mean, I was disappointed when I worked on the other one, and I, and I was told that it didn't do that. I was, you know, I, I, I thought, God, you're missing so much if you don't do that. Mm. Yeah, it, it, it just lacks, it just lacks something for me in that, in that regard. Yeah, I agree with you. So I suppose you have a question, and I, you know, we briefly touched on on California, and I sidestepped it for a reason, but we'll go back to it now. Um, obviously, um, that ride is now going to be changing to Guardians of the Galaxy. So, firstly, I have to ask, um, you know, how you feel uh, about that? Well, I'm, you know, not happy about it, but I can't do anything about it. I could, but so. <laughs> A lot of people are upset about it. I've, I see online, and I guess that makes me feel kind of good. I didn't expect that, you know. But they do what they got to do. I, as long as the Florida one stays there, which is so far the best and the original, then I'm happy. Yeah. And to be if honest, the Florida one goes, I will be very angry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there will definitely be rioting from this podcast if that happens. Oh, I um, think so too. But the Florida one, it's been there almost 25 years, and it's an, one of the icons of Walt Disney World. So it's pretty much stuck there forever, I think. But, well, the thing is, I mean, because we, we um, when we were talking about this a few weeks ago, because we heard the rumors, so we talked about the rumors, and then obviously there was an announcement and, uh, you know, the publicity stills and the, the imagery of what the ride's going to be and all this kind of stuff. And I love Guardians of the Galaxy, the film. So... In one regard, I'm very excited for it. Um, but at the same time, we were talking about the Twilight Zone, and we said the, the the biggest problem, unfortunately, with the Twilight Zone is it's one of those things that we're very much aware of. I grew up, and even though uh, I'm 30, uh, 33, I had to think about that for a second, um, you know, the Twilight Zone was still something when I was uh, a child. It was still something that was on TV, and I remember... Uh, the repeats of the original uh, version of that series, and also I remember the uh, the remake in the 80s as well that was going on. So I've always been aware of the Twilight Zone, but we're now getting to uh, a time of life where you know people in their in their teens have no kind of connection with what the Twilight Zone is, and I think again going back to the the, the Florida version and the extras you get with it, I think it kind of covers up that disconnect between knowing about the Twilight Zone and just enjoying the ride. I don't think 
they do as good a job of that with the other versions of the attraction. And so that's why I'm I'm, I'm not as sad um, that it's going in California, but would well, be completely devastating like Disney World. Do you know? Do you, do you like Splash Mountain? Yeah, yeah, I, I kind of like space, uh, Splash Mountain, yeah. But do you know what that's based on? Oh, I do, yes. But kids don't today, but they still yeah. go on and love it. They don't and, know that movie it's based on. And to be honest, I mean, again, that was something that um, at the age of five or six, I could have gone, dragged my parents to the shop and made them buy that film for me on cassette. Um, that's not something that five years after that you could do. Um, and in right. fact, by the time Splash Mountain actually opened, that was kind of blackballed as a film. So that's actually a, a very good point and one that we had not discussed on the show. So yeah. that, that's, that's very interesting. As you say, it's a completely beloved attraction. Yeah. Right. And I yeah, think if you good. asked like 100 kids in line who's Uncle Remus, they'd have no idea what you were talking about. But they're still loving the ride, you know. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're spot on. That's, that's an extremely good point. Very, very good point indeed, actually. Yeah. Um, plus, I mean, you know, if you, if you have a good uncle or a parent that can introduce the kids to the Twilight Zone, they always love it, the, the kids. And the ride introduces the kids to the show. Yes. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't see any problem with it, with kids not knowing exactly what that is. They want to ride a fun ride. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. And as I agree, and I think what you made is a very valid argument for it not being the most important thing uh, in terms of, of, of that as well. So that's, that's good. Um, if you don't mind, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, your history as well, because um, you said when we were uh, talking and setting up this interview, um, you said that you'd um, spent some time in the 80s in London. Yeah. Um, and that was because of your father. So I wondered if we could uh, talk about that for a little bit. Right. My father was out there, a, a producer, <laughs> making a big fantasy film at Pinewood Studios called Krull. And it, I know it was, Krull. It was Liam Neeson's second or first movie and Robbie Coltrane. And it came out here and it died at the box office. But since then, it has this weird, enormous cult following. And it plays in theaters to like packed houses. So it's, <laughs> but being there for the year or so while it was being made, I loved it. I, I just had such a great time. And, and that was your first experience of, of England, was it? Yes, of course. My only experience. Oh, okay. Okay. It's uh, yeah. It's interesting. I didn't realise it was it was Crow that you worked on. Um, it was a film that I remember them showing on TV quite a lot over here in the eighties. So I'm Good. I'm very familiar with it. I've got to be honest. I haven't watched it in, in quite a while. Um, but at the same time, even even though I haven't, you never forget that weapon. Oh God! You know that everybody loves that thing. I actually have one that was used in the movie. Wow. A, a glaive. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Okay. I remember, I also know as well there was an, uh, an arcade version of right. that where you had to, uh, it, as, as uh, arcade games were 
back in the early 80s, very basic. Um, in fact, it was extremely similar, thinking about it, to the Tron game they made about the same time, um, right, where right, you had right. to throw that weapon to, to uh, you know, kill, kill the bad guys. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's, that's excellent. Um, so, yes, so you've always been, I suppose, involved in that kind of industry then? Yeah, I've always been around it. You know, voice work, I, I've worked on a lot of movies with big celebrities, like they, like I revoiced Rod Serling for The Tower. I've had a lot of jobs like that with movies where they can't get the celebrity to come in and I'll go in for them, like Al Pacino. Let's say Al Pacino has a movie on TV, but he curses through the whole movie. They can't play it on TV or on airplanes. So they get Al Pacino to come back and say the lines with a little more friendly way where you could get away with it on TV. And if they can't get Al Pacino to do it, they call me and I go in <laughs> for him. Because, I mean, I do, I, I, it's, um, it, it's an interest of mine. Um, I, again, going back to my childhood, I remember when they used to try and show things like Robocop um, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, the first RoboCop was a very violent film. So they cut out, obviously, a lot of that violence, but also they'd replace words like um, mother-lover. They'd say mother-lover rather than mother-something else. Um, that's right. So it's it, quite fascinating that you, you've done that. And actually, looking again, looking at your resume, because I'm actually on IMDb, uh, but I only have Are one you? credit to my name. Yeah, I, I didn't work in TV for very long, so we'll skip that. But... Um, <laughs> I've noticed here that, uh, and one of the, the things that stood out for me was, um, it says that you did the voice of Benny in the uh, the Lego movie video game. Oh. <laughs> now, that was... I, I played that game. I say played. I completed that game when I had it on the PlayStation 3 and didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind that it wasn't voiced by um, Charlie What's-His-Face. Um, so I just assumed well, it was him, so he did a good job. What is his name? Charlie? It's, uh, Charlie Day, I think. I'll have well, to double-check, I'm sure he's... Have you, heard of, have you heard of Ratchet and Clank? Yes. I'm in that video game, I think, and I had to take over at the last minute for Sylvester Stallone that didn't want to do it. So what you're, you're essentially saying is if they do like an animated version of Rocky or Rambo, yeah, you right. might be in for it. Okay. Mm. <laughs> no. They once had a Rambo cartoon, but they had Rambo talking like this. They didn't want him talking like this. How are you doing? They didn't, they, they didn't think kids would understand him. Well, they were right. They were, they were right. They were right. <laughs> Nothing is over. Nothing. You just don't turn it off. It wasn't my war. You asked me, I didn't ask you, and I did that, you know, I can go on and on. It's my favorite thing ever. It's amazing. I could, I could probably have you on for a five-hour show. Uh, we can't obviously do that because we, we wouldn't want to ruin your life. But, um, you know, you'd, you'd get sick of voices by the end of it. But again, the funny never... thing was, I, when, I, when I was, I used to like to do a lot of prank calls. And you know who Larry King is? Yes. He had on... Sylvester Stallone's mother, and it was on television, on CNN, and I called in to see what they thought of my impression of her son, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went, you're on the air. Hey, Ma, how you doing? I was watching television. You look great. 
I mean, you look fantastic. I just say. And it's and all of a sudden I look on the television and it says Sylvester Stallone on phone. Oh my God! So I sat there in my <laughs> in my room for 20 minutes pretending I didn't want to embarrass them, so I pretended I was Stallone and I fooled Larry King and Stallone's own mother. <laughs> Well, Jackie Sloan did become a bit of a celebrity over here. She ended yeah. up on celebrity big brother at, at one point, so we know her very well. Um, Larry King, he's, he, he never... I'm very aware of him, but I think I think if you kind of immerse yourself in, like, American culture, you you know people like Larry King, but he was never a big name over here. And, of course, um, we, we sent over a Brit to replace him in... Um, Oh, Piers Morgan, but it's okay. We've obviously taken him back now because no one liked him over there. Oh, um, I, everyone hated him. Yeah, but the thing is, what's what you may not know is that in England, everyone hated him. So when he left, we was quite happy. <laughs> we we just assumed you were a lot more uh, tolerant nation than you turned out to be, because I think he lasted about two or three years before uh, getting yeah. the elbow <laughs> coming back over yeah, here. Yeah, we, we couldn't wait to send him back. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't take you long. It didn't take you long at all. So, so what does he do now? Yeah, unfortunately, he does. Uh, he anchors an early morning breakfast show on TV, so like the equivalent of Good Morning America, or you know that kind of program. Um, I think actually it's called Good Morning Britain. I don't watch it myself. Um, I can just, I can just but, see yeah. him when people ask him about America. Well, they didn't understand my genius, you know, because he's probably so arrogant yeah. about it. No, no, he is. I mean, I, funny enough, um, I, I, I watched him the last, um, the last job I did in TV. So I worked in TV for two years, and the last job I did was he had a documentary series called Life Stories, and it would be um, Piers Morgan sitting down with a celebrity who had gone through some dramatic career nosedive and were on the verge of, of kind of coming out of the, the shadows again and, and, and rising like a phoenix from the flame. And um, that's, that was uh, a thing that he did for a little while. And, of course, it ended purely because um, he, he got the job in America. But he was actually, like, behind the scenes, he was actually um, quite polite, actually. He was, he was quite nice. I was only a minion at the time. Um, and he was he was quite nice actually. Um, some people you work in in that world aren't very nice, but he was actually fairly respectable uh, and polite, which uh, is interesting because obviously on TV he definitely comes across as a bit of an arrogant so uh, and so. Yeah, right. So uh, yeah, he's not he's not all bad, but yeah, I can't stand watching him on TV at all. He does my nothing. So uh, yeah. Thanks for taking for a little bit. And anyway. and then the, the nicest people on TV, they're you hear they're mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and in fact, if Craig was on tonight, um, who who sometimes he's one of our hosts on here as well. Um, from he's from Liverpool, as is uh, Amanda, and um, they have a very famous celebrity uh, from there called Silla Black, who uh, was was kind of very revered as um, you know being this really polite celebrity, but. Um, again, when I worked in TV and, and people that had worked with her, she was apparently completely horrible. But on TV, um, you know, come across uh, come across as someone as polite as the Queen, for example. You know, it was uh, it was quite remarkable, really. But, Isn't that um, weird? That's show business. <laughs> so, um, 
just one other thing I wanted to ask you, um, and I feel I've taken up a lot of questions, so I'm sure Amanda will have something in a minute, but um, how did you actually get into voice acting? You've obviously got a talent, and you can obviously, you said you kind of um, learned how to mimic, which is a very good skill to have in an industry, but it's, it still fascinates me how you can actually get into that kind of work. Well, you start to notice at a very early age that you have this ability. And when I first knew is when I was, I loved the show called Get Smart. <laughs> yep. You know, and I, and as a little boy, I perfect, but like at 14, I would go around going, would you believe I'm Maxwell Smortage, meaning six of control. I have a very distinctive and unique voice. And I would, I would talk like that constantly. So I knew that I had a knack for it. So you get older, you know, you try out these things, and every now and then you'll get a job. I got a job on the radio on a morning show doing all these voices, and then I got an agent, and they start sending you around, and you start to make demos, and hopefully the best things you do you'll get hired for, and then that's what happened. That's fascinating. And it's, it's funny as well because... Difficult. What? No, I was going to say, when you did your impression of Don Adams, it was quite funny because I, I used to watch Get Smart when I, was, when I was young, but I never, until you did that impression there, I never really uh, realized that Maxwell Smart was Inspector Gadget. Yeah, right. Isn't that funny? The same, yeah, it's, it's like he didn't even change his voice. It was, no, but when you no, were doing that, it was like, Lex. Right. <laughs> I enjoy. I like get get smart, but I enjoy, I think because of my age, I enjoyed Spectre to gadget just a little bit more. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, yeah, because you're fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda, was there anything you wanted to um to say? Yeah, I'm just wondering what you're going to do next. Well, I have something. There's a Holly Berry movie coming out where somebody kidnaps her kid, and at the All end right. of the movie. She's really nervous, and she puts on the radio, and I'm the newscaster narrating the whole entire story. Holly Berry's kid has just been kidnapped. No, it's not really her name in the movie, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do a lot of that kind of thing, and that's, and that's really fun to do. Because, you know, in a, in a movie when you're watching, you don't re if someone puts on a radio, it's not just a radio. You know, it's an actor doing that just for the scene. Yeah. So I get a lot of that stuff, too. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. That's what I love to do. I, I love doing that stuff. But I have no idea what's coming. It's a, it's an exciting business. You never know. <laughs> uh, I mean, I know, again, and we've mentioned a couple of the, of the games that you've done, but you, you've done a fair few video games. And uh, on, on trying to keep it topical for a change, actually, it's unusual for us. Um, I saw that there's a lot of... Um, a lot of rows going on with voice actors in the moment, especially in the video game industry, where they feel that the work isn't being uh, recognized as it is in, in other kind of fields. Is that something right. that's affected you? or? Yes. They, there's no residuals on games, and the companies make billions. And mm. I've never understood it. It doesn't make any sense. It's just one of the things that makes no sense. But the other thing that's really important, is so many of the games are violent and there's war in the games and you have to yell every single kind of yell 
whether you're dying or whether you're injured or a bomb goes off, you have to yell in every way depending on how the game could go. And the game could go in any kind of a direction, so they need a reaction that will cover everything. And you'll stand there for an hour screaming so hard that it starts hurting. And then you want to go home, and you look, and there's like nine pages left, gut-wrenching screams, death cry, throws a grenade and yell, you know, and it gets to a point where you want them to break that up into two or three days, but they don't want to do that. So if mm. I get a, a script like that, I got to a point where I won't even do it if it's something like that, because it's not healthy for us. No, that's it's, it's fascinating to say that, because as a gamer, um, and I suppose it's a bit of ignorance where you, you you know, if you don't do that kind of work, you don't probably think about it like that. But, yeah, I, I can't think of a single, especially violent video game, um, where that doesn't happen. Like you say, because there's so many different ways that a character can die or there's so many things that a character can do, um, you are probably doing certain lines 10, 15, 20 times in different ways, as you say, reacting to different things that could potentially happen. So I don't yeah, know right. like that. Right, and when you're when you're when you're playing it, you don't think of a guy standing there doing it. You just it just kind of happens. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's always. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, you know, you're playing a, a great video game when the voice acting does stand out, and some games completely, you know, rely on that um, to, to kind of immerse you in that world. So it's not that it goes unnoticed which is, you know, I hope you're pleased to hear. But um, at the same time, you probably don't think of the the level of effort that you have to go through yourself um, yeah. in order, in order to, to bring that to us. You're absolutely right, yeah. And that's what, uh, you know, that's what we want. We want it to be bro- broken down into more days. And, you know, that, that would be nice. Who knows what will happen, but this comes and goes every few years. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's, it's, it's only because I saw the story uh, yesterday with a few um, of of the uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to say main talents because that means that there's a, a hierarchy, but um, it was a few voice actors from the Batman video game um, that have done quite a few of those that were, were kind of leading the charge on that. And um, yeah, I never even realised that uh, you didn't get residuals either compared to other mediums. So uh yeah, it seems like a, a hell of a lot of work done in an extremely pressured environment for, for not much reward. So Right. Uh, I mean, you, you could be in a movie and say literally one sentence and go home mm-hmm. and you get residuals for years. So what? it doesn't make any sense that you don't get them for a video game. Yeah, and especially as well because sometimes those video games, they might be of their time. Um, so a video game might come out now, but in five, ten years' time, when they've got another platform for that game to be played on, um, or they want to do a, a, a high-definition version of the same thing, um, that then gets re-released. So yeah, a whole new audience that, will right. have access to it. So it's, you're not getting residuals the first time. You're certainly not going to get residuals the second time that they do it either. Yeah, I know. Wow. So let's hope something happens. I think it, that's a very good point. I didn't even think of that. 
Well, I mean, I, I can't say, I mean, we are a fairly popular Disney podcast, but um, I don't know how much effort, uh, impact we're going to have on that, but we'll certainly try. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if we can help with that cause, because, uh, yeah, I, I find that really, really bad, actually, um, having talked to you about that and, and understood that a bit more. So thank you uh, for, for kind of explaining that a bit more to us. And, Maybe uh, we get Pierce Morgan Christ. to talk about it. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't have his number on speed dial anymore, but I'll <laughs> say, Mr. Morgan, do you remember we, we worked together talking about Jim Davidson? Um, uh, our American listeners, you might want to Google Jim Davidson, maybe not at work. And, um, yeah, you know, you never know. Jim I mean, Davidson? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, was he that guy that did a kid show? No. No, that's, that's Jimmy Savile. He's not, he's not as bad as him. And he hasn't done those kind of things. We've got to be very careful now because it's liable. Oh, um, wow. But he's uh, he, he's famous for being quite a, a comedian who's very sexist and, and used to be a tad racist back in the times when racism was obviously funny um, because that right. there was such a time, unfortunately. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's another one who had a bit of a, a career nose side, but certainly not to the level of of Jimmy Savile. Um, I think it's the most we mentioned to be several this year, actually, so uh, we'll probably leave that there. But, uh, uh, Paul, I know, you're, I know you're on the bus, I know you're, you're listening intently, but is there anything else you wanted to, uh, to ask Mark? No, I don't think so, other than, as I said, mentioning the Paris Ride. Were you aware of that when they, when they first started building that the Paris Ride was going to be different uh, to the versions that you know? Um, yeah, are you talking about... Yes, yes, yes. I I knew when I went in to record that it wasn't going to be as uh, big and and as the uh, Florida version. Yes, and that bothered me because the Florida the the Paris version is exactly a copy of the California version. Yeah. So did you did you have to record dialogue for both attractions, or did you yes, just yes. record it? You did. Okay. No, I know. Sorry. What? The Cal- did it you record the, it the California and Paris in both attractions? Got you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so he recorded the line to California and it was then used for Paris because it was the same Yeah. Exactly the same base of ride. Yeah, right. okay, fair enough. I don't know if you know actually, but um so so this might again make you feel a bit better about your, your situation. Um one of the last jobs that Vincent Price did was he was the voice of Phantom Manor which is the Disneyland Paris version of the Haunted Mansion. Oh, I, yeah. Did they use that for him? Is his voice in there? They, you, so, so what happened was they, he recorded it just before he died, uh, a few months before he died, and for the, about the first four or five months of operation, they used Vincent Price. Now, I went to Disneyland Paris about two months after it opened when it was Euro Disney. Um, and in, I was only, um, I was nine. I was nine when this happened. And I was convinced in my head that I had heard him. I'd heard his narration on this ride. But at the same time, because every other time I'd been after that, um, it had been the French version, I thought, oh, maybe it was just me being young and, and you know, sometimes you get things confused in memories. And it was only recently I found out that um, for the first four or five months, it was his narration being used. So I did actually get to hear it. I mean, it's it's online anyway. 
um, the audio recording. It's it's available if you well, search around for it. Why did they take that it. out? So, a lot of rides in Disneyland Paris, um, surprise, not surprisingly, are have a French narration. So, for example, uh, Star Tours, uh, Captain Rex in Star Tours, which is actually only just closed, um, was voiced by a French actor. So, I never heard Paul Rubens do the voice of Captain Rex until fairly recently. Um, well, I say fairly recently, like, uh, about seven, eight years ago now. But um, when, when that Star Tours was, was still going, um, I'd only ever heard the French version. And most of the attractions are in French. They have bits in English, but the major majority of it is in French. Yeah. So, so what that's about what Pirates? Happened. Pirates is all in, in English except for like a few warnings, isn't it? Um, the, well, the singing is mainly in English, um, but there are bits where there's a bit of French and there's a bit of Spanish involved in that as well. But on that's the whole... My, that's my favorite Disney ride of all time, the Disneyland version of Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, the, the, the Disneyland Paris version of Pirates of the Caribbean is very similar to the Disneyland version. Um, you've got the, you have the skeletons at the end of the ride. Yes, yes. Um, and I think the drop is a little bit bigger, but it's just being redone now. Um, it's closing early next year as part of the 25th anniversary, and they're going to add in the movie Pirates of the Caribbean references that have been in the other parks. So they're going to throw in a Johnny Depp animatronic and a... Oh, God, really? Yeah, so it was, it was... I mean, you know, we did well. In that we lasted until now, until we got those. We thought we might always escape from it. Um, but no, our Disneyland Paris version is going to be uh, pillaged, just like the other versions of the attraction, to make them the same, unfortunately. Um, yeah, but I get you. it's still a better ride. I still prefer that version to... Disney World's version, and actually, one of the only things I can say about Disneyland Paris in terms of different rides and stuff is um, Big Thunder Mountain in Disneyland Paris is the best version of the ride. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, and it, everyone it, says it's that. It's well. like it's it's in its own little island, or it's like very secluded. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it actually is. Yeah, there was a whole. Because, I suppose because they had time to design everything around it. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of in uh, a lake. There's a big man-made lake around it, so you get Phantom Manor there as well, um, which is it, it's similar to the Haunted Mansion, but it's um, a lot scarier. It's got a different backstory as well, but it's a lot scarier than the Haunted Mansion attraction. Um, and, and so some people don't like it as much because it's not quite as, as jovial as, as the other attractions. Um, <laughs> but that, that overlooks... Um, Big Thunder Mountain, and in fact the whole land is themed, so the area is called Thunder Mesa, and um, everything there is to do with an earthquake that happened there at the turn of the century, and that's why the rocks are the way they are, and, and um, yeah, it's, it's, oh. they've, they've themed I'd, it yeah, very, I very well. That. You should come over. I'd love Because, I mean, if you come over, if you want to come over and visit England, it's only about two hours, three hours on the train from England to Disneyland Paris. That's it, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's not too yeah, bad. Yeah, I'd love to. Bad. I'd love to. Yeah. Well, if you ever decide to come over, please let us know. We'd certainly be happy to give you a tour. Um, yeah. It's my favourite thing to do with people that haven't been to Disneyland Paris before, is to kind of give them my version of a tour, because <laughs> I know it pretty well. Um, 
but I, I do recommend it. I mean, people uh, p people do say, well, it's not as good as, as Disney World because it's not as big, and obviously Disneyland is the park that Walt built. But there are some things in Disneyland Paris, only some things, but there are some things in Disneyland Paris that are exceptional. Um, and so it's definitely worth visiting. And, um, yeah. So if you get a chance, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely to. recommend it. Yeah. I, I'd love to. I watch YouTube uh, clips of the pirate ride out there, that, and it looks just I, – I can't wait to see that. I'm dying to come up there. Yeah. Uh, it would be it, yeah, highly recommended. If you get the chance, please do and, and let us know. As so we'd certainly be uh, happy to uh, to help you uh, learn about the park. But um, Mark, thank you so much for joining us uh, and giving us uh, so much of your day as well uh, to speak. To hey, you. that was fun. I love doing it. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And um, yeah, this is this is part of our Halloween episode that we're going to be putting out. So. Uh, I don't know if you want to leave us with uh, a, a special spooky message. Um, you know, please do. Well, it was a pleasure being on your podcast. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Well, what did you think about that? He's so good. Like, why is he so good at doing impressions? I, I just found it completely fascinating. Literally, when we hung up and we stopped recording, I was like, Mark Silverman, can you just ring me every day and just do impressions <laughs> to me on the phone? It's quite, it's and he quite, didn't say quite... no. <laughs> but has he done it? Not yet, but um, this time. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I think I'm looking forward to the most when he comes over and we're going to give him a tour of Disneyland Paris. Yeah. Which he didn't, we didn't officially confirm, but, you know, I dropped so many hints that we'd do it that I think it's a given now that that has to happen. 100%. Yeah. Um, and I think what was almost as remarkable was, like, our very own P-dubs travelling across the country whilst we recorded that. <laughs> yeah. Shamefully, the day was wasted in the first place, but uh, I made it work in the end. And happy ending. Yeah. Not that kind of happy ending, Craig. <laughs> Just before you start thinking your dirty thoughts. Um, but no, I mean, Paul, thank you for, for reaching out to Mark. And I don't know how you did it and how you convinced him to, but, you know, really glad that you did. Yeah, definitely. Definitely worth the while. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was fascinating, not just for what we wanted to talk to him about because i mean you know we talked you know before before we we had the call with him we had a quick call um and we was discussing things and had no idea really how long the call was going to go on for and i think we originally said that we'd try and be about 15 minutes or so didn't we yeah i don't think we expected it to go on as long as it and it as it was and, and not because we didn't want it to necessarily it was just that we didn't know how much time he had available um we didn't we didn't actually know him, so we didn't know if he'd want to talk to us for that long, if he'd found us interesting or anything like that. So I think we kind of played it by ear, but I think it just felt so comfortable and interesting speaking to him that it the time just kind of flew flew past. So um, it worked out really well. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have him back on, even if it's just to hear him do some more voices. 100%. Yeah. And he, and he put some good arguments there, I think, as well. When we talked, you know, obviously we had to talk about um, 
the Tower of Terror and um, the changes that are happening in Disneyland. Um, and he made some, I think he made some valid points then. You know, something we talked about for a while, but, you know, I think the Splash Mountain comparison is pretty good. Um, you know, I still, I still have a slight, I understand why they're going for it, but, um, you know, that was, that was quite a compelling argument and one that we hadn't really discussed too much. So, um, I'm glad he brought it up, but, um, Peter, she said after recording that interview that you'd heard some breaking news. Yeah. Yeah. That rumor pops up on my, my Facebook feed today. Uh, possibly the Walt Disney world one. It is going, um, the yeah, guardians of the galaxy is going in there. That, that, where is this? Like, where's this? Florida. It's, it's in Orlando. Yeah. You've been there quite a few times, Amanda, from what you told me. <laughs> I thought you'd know that by now. Yeah, I know. But where, like, where's the info? Because I, I literally haven't seen it. I I can't find it now. And it was literally I was I was working this morning, and it just happened to pop up on my feed. And it was right. a, a page that I recognised as well. It wasn't. I can't remember who it was for the life of me, but. It was definitely a page that I recognised. Um, they're saying they're still trying to work around the whole uh, using the Marvel name as part of it. Yeah, because that's... They better not be able to do it. <laughs> I think that... I, I, I personally think they have to cut such a deal with Universal to allow it to happen. Yeah. That I mean, it's been interesting because, I mean, a few years ago we wouldn't have thought Spider-Man... I mean, this is, this is going to be a bit of strike territory now, so um, yeah. apologies, uh, Paul, for jumping on your bandwagon. But a few years ago, we wouldn't have been talking about Spider-Man being in a Marvel Universe film, despite being a Marvel character. That's happened. That deal's been done. Um, although he's not in... Officially, he's not in the Marvel Universe, but a deal's been made where, you know, they're, they're kind of sharing, uh, which is great. Um and you know the same with things like the Fantastic Four with Fox, um, and now that could be something that they might be looking into to sharing a little bit more. Yeah. And I think with the end, with the last um, Wolverine film next year of Logan, you know it makes you wonder what Fox have next up their sleeves because that's it for that kind of cast now. Yeah. So what are they going to do? Um, it'd be interesting to see if they try and do a deal with Disney at that point um, about the rights of it. But with Universal, I just, I, I, I still can't see anything happening with the deal that they've got. They've got, they've got such a great deal that would they really want to give that up? For me, it, it honestly depends on the characters, I think, and if they've got something planned for those characters. Mm. And I get the feeling that Universal possibly won't touch Guardians. Yeah, because I suppose that the you know on one hand, their deal stops Disney from using the characters in the park, which is a, a tick in the box for Universal. But if Universal try and do something with them themselves, essentially they're just promoting their Disney product. Yeah. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword, really. Um, yeah, and the comic because Universal used the comic book versions. Mm. The Guardians aren't particularly popular, comic book wise. Well, they certainly weren't. I mean, I don't know. I still don't think they are now, to be honest. Okay, okay, interesting. So, for me, I'd I'd look at it as if to say, yeah, chuck us something our way. It's not really a character we're going to use. 
and you can have them. It's a shame. What was that, Amanda? I really hope that they don't. Like, I'm literally going to be so sad if they do. It's it's interesting because, you know, we kind of we've talked about reasons why you know they might be looking to move away from the Twilight Zone, and you know we've discussed the fact that people now don't people of a younger age don't really know the Twilight Zone, um, but there's obviously licensing fees there. You would think it would make more sense for CBS. I believe they're the license holders of the Twilight Zone brand, um, for them to drop their pants just to keep it in the park. Yeah. Because it's a, you know, that is a great advertisement for that brand. At the end of the day, whether it's shown on, you know, in America it's shown on TV still. I don't think it's shown over here now at all, but it, it certainly used to be. But you can buy box sets of, of every episode. So, you know, there, there could be people that go on Twilight Zone love it so much and think, wow, what's Twilight Zone about? Read up on it, buy the DVDs, um, you know, whatever. So you would think that it does work that way. But at the same time, Disney obviously so keen to get Marvel properties into the park. I, I get it. But, you know, I, I think what we were talking about with Mark there was the fact that the Disneyland version, we could probably give away with losing. Disneyland Paris version, the same, if push comes to shove the original Florida version is so good that would be a massive massive blow exactly I mean even this year I I think I've been on the Tower of Terror like more times than I could ever ever count and every single time I go on it it feels like it's different and this year when I was going on it every time we'd come off the ride we'd be like wow that was totally different like it's so good and it's so good every single time. It's my favourite ride at Disney, and I'll be heartbroken if it goes. So we were talking, you know, I talked about the fact that I don't go in on it half as much as I'd like to because I'm not a big fan of the drops. So I have to really kind of coax myself into it. But the one thing that I, I, I thought about speaking to Mark and you know what we'd said is that I really should be going on it more because it won't always be there. And that's, I mean, you know, we can say that about a lot of Disney attractions. You know, for every Pirates of the Caribbean um, or or Haunted Mansion, you know, there's a ride that doesn't last that long. There's a ride that has a very uh, small shelf life, really, like um, Stitch's Great Escape, although that that probably lasted about 10 years longer than it should have done. Um, But, you know, so, you know, we kind of take these things for granted sometimes that they're always going to be there. And in, with the case of Pirates, the ride is still there, but the the essence of the ride isn't there Yeah. for the American parks, and it won't soon be there for Disneyland Paris either. Um, it's a different ride, and we kind of take it for granted a bit. So um, I'm now going to make sure that every time I do go to a Disney park, and in my case it'll probably be Disneyland Paris or anywhere else, um, that I will make sure that I go on the Tower of Terror as much as I can, just because, you know, it could go. And I, and I'm sure Paul, you'd agree. I can't wait to go on Guardians. No, exactly. I love no, Guardians. It, it's kind of terror me too, to be honest, because I love the original Tower of Terror, but I love Marvel. Mm. And it's kind of like, which one do I want? And the thing is, as well, like for me. 
it, it is more, it's not even so much the Marvel piece, it is the fact it's Guardians. I don't think I've enjoyed a film more in the last five, six years than I have Guardians. I've, I've not re-watched the film as much as that. And that's partly because of Malaf loving it um, probably even more than I do. Um, but I just think it's such a great film. I, I, I said to my friend, when we came out of the cinema after watching it for the first time, I said to him, it's Star Wars for the new generation. Really? Yeah. Of course, you know, then The Force Awakens come out, and that's Star Wars for the new generation. Um, but we didn't know that at the time. <laughs> but, yeah, Guardians to me felt just like the original Star Wars. In a lot of ways. I mean, I know, I know, I know they're not the same, um, but just just the just the feel of it and and how it makes me feel is very similar to how I felt watching Star Wars all those years ago. Um, and it and the other thing as well, I think, is that because my my wife was blown out by Marvel films by the time Guardians come around, she didn't want to see it at the cinema at all, had no interest, um, just got bored of them, um, and trying to keep up with like how the film's all interconnected and she'd get confused if Saint was in Captain America, Winds of Soldier that led on from the Avengers and she'd, cause there was such a gap in seeing the film and she wouldn't remember all the details, that kind of thing. And she just had no interest in it. And it's, it's the Marvel to me, it's the Marvel film for people that don't like Marvel films. Now there's not many people that don't like Marvel films, at least some of them, but it felt part of the universe and at the same time felt completely different to anything that had come before. And I think in some ways, then changed how Marvel films are. Because whilst there was always a bit of humour in Marvel films, I think the humour's increased ever since Guardians. And I just think they generally feel more fun. And I don't know how Doctor Strange falls into that pool, because you've, you've watched that. And I don't want a review of it, because I'm sure you'll say no. like a strike. But, yeah. you know, has, um, do you think that's had an effect on that? I definitely think there's a little bit more humour than you probably would have thought reading the comic books of Doctor Strange. He was a little bit too much of a of a straight man to start with. Mm. And I think certainly casting Benedict as well in that role, I think you're always going to get that little bit of humour anyway. Mm. Um, having obviously seen Sherlock and things like that, it was, I think it was possibly expected to take a little bit of a step on. And, and that's probably the reason why they cast Benedict. Wasn't particularly funny. In, yeah, but he wasn't particularly funny in Warhols, though, was he? No, he wasn't. But <laughs> but when you see the things that that have got those those little bits of, of humour, um, it definitely stands out. And, and I think they have stepped on with the humour. Just looking, and I'm not going to go into it, but um, Thor seems to be becoming a bit more humorous um, with what's to come as well. So I definitely think that. That Guardians did set a trend for some of the films. Is uh, is that a, is that a spoiler from Doctor Strange? No. Okay. No, just from from the next Thor film. Um, they seem to be a little bit more humour in the script and and things from what I can tell. Mm. So I mean, not so. A bit bit of sweet news if that's true. Around that, yeah. Uh, and definitely, I'm I'm sure Mark will be. Uh, devastated if if that is the case but um you know early rumors and um you know i think it, i think it will depend as well how big one the new guardians film is 
Well, I do expect that to be quite a big hit. Um, and also how the attraction goes down in California as well. But Disney Disney. And I think even if the fan reaction, the Disney community reaction to the new ride isn't positive because it's not Tower of Terror, you know, I, I think if they've made a decision, they'll just go for it. Ugh. Yeah. So time time will tell. Um, before we go, did anyone else want to talk about anything else to do with Halloween? Um, yeah. I went to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. Oh. And it was really enjoyable. Is that is that your first time? No, I've been quite a few times and mm. I wasn't going to go this year and I decided quite last minute that I'd go. So I made myself a costume and we went. I didn't get there until pretty late. I got there about nine o'clock at night because when you're watching my YouTube videos, when they're going to come out over the next few weeks, everyone's going to realise that I'm late for everything all the time. And so we got there pretty late, but by that time, all the kids had gone home. So it was awesome. Yeah, actually, that's um, we we went fairly late because when we went to Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween, we were staying off property. We were like it was our I think our second week, so we weren't staying on property that week. Bad planning by us. So it meant that we drove down to uh, the parking area, and then by the time we got out of the parking um, and we got a boat over um, to uh, the main hub, I think we didn't get it about half past eight ourselves. It was late yeah. and we wanted to go. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. There wasn't there wasn't loads of kids out. We went I think we went on a Sunday as well. So it was it was fairly busy, but yeah, I think by about ten o'clock kids started to go home. Yeah, it was empty. It rained at about six o'clock mm. and so I think everyone had just gone home. But I was still getting ready then. So by the time I got there, empty. Wow. All the sweets. But <laughs> I was Esmeralda again this year, but I was Esmeralda in the red dress this year. So last year when I was Esmeralda, everyone kept asking me if I was Snow White, all the kids. This year, they thought that I was the new Latin American princess. Oh, um... Is it Elena? Yeah. That's where everyone thought that I was. (sighs) Must try I'm harder. Like, why does nobody know who Esmeralda is? Just wear a sandwich board. I think I'm gonna. Next year, just just write in big letters, I am Esmeralda. I am Esmeralda. Yeah. I mean, you have to split it up over lines because Esmeralda's quite a long name. But, oh, um, yeah. you know, hopefully be able to read it all. Pete Dubs, have you ever been to uh, a Not So Scary? No, I've only done the Christmas party. Yeah. Never done Not So Scary. But the plan is, next time... Uh, our young man has chosen he wants to go for Halloween next time we go to Florida oh, yeah, so all, yeah. so next time it will be not so scary instead I I love not so scary I really do, do. So, I think the parades are great I think the fireworks are good they, they do villains fireworks this year they do the Hallowishes Hallowishes yep and then they had the Hocus Pocus show again this year which was again oh. like so the year we went, there was three women that went dressed as uh, Hocus Pocus. Well, me and Ash want to do it every year, but we need a third sister. And um, Chris Ripley said to stop asking him to do it with us. So um, I need a volunteer. <sighs> Can't you ask your boyfriend? Yeah, yeah, right. 
Mm. We only go to a theme park in the day. Never mind dress up at a theme park in the night. Touche, touche, yeah, touche. Um, did they have? So the rumor I heard this year was that um, Vanellope Von Sweets was going to take over from Goofy in the play. Yeah, she did. She did. Yeah, yeah, she was I, on wasn't, I wasn't sure because when Sarah Silverman said she'd recall the lines, it was about August time, I think. Mm-hmm. So I thought, I, I wonder if it was going to be too late for this year's one. But no. That's a shame because it's Goofy's Candy Co. I know. Isn't it? So I don't, you know, I, I get why they'd have her, but you'd have thought they'd have had her as a sidekick more than. You know. Oh, I thought they'd put her in a little car. Like in the film, but no, she's on the bike. She's on the bike as well. Yeah. Oh man, poor Goofy. What was he doing? I, d- I know what. I don't think that I saw him in the parade at mm. all. I remember. Do they have the gravediggers still? Yes. I think they're great. They're my favourite bit, and the hitchhiking ghosts. Yes. And did, did, did the uh, parade start with the headless horseman? I didn't see the headless horseman. He's quite quick. Well, apparently he only comes out like on certain times for the parade. Right. And I think maybe because it had been raining when we got there, we just kind of watched bits of it as we were walking to the rides and I didn't see him. So I don't know whether he came out at all that night. Got you. Just looked up. Goofy is in the parade. Is he? He's right at the start. Ah. He's right behind the boot of you parade float. Oh. That's the other thing as well. That's my favourite Disney song. Of all the parade songs. Yeah. Boo to You is something that I, I hear comes into my head probably more than any other kind of parade music. To be honest, when it comes to a lot of the daytime parades, the music just come gets goes in one ear and out the other ear for some reason. I remember Magic Everywhere from Disneyland Paris because <laughs> they had that for years. Um but otherwise, like a lot of the parade music doesn't really stick with me. But Boo to You, which I've only seen twice, really has stuck with me over all these years. Love it. Love it to bits. Paul, you'll have a, a whale of a time. You really will. Yeah, looking forward to it. Anything else? Or are we good for Halloween? And then we can start thinking about Christmas. Horrible, isn't it? I think we're good. Mm. <laughs> I, you know, I like Christmas. I'm not a Grinch. Well, I like the Grinch. But yeah, it's just like it just seems to like last forever and then come too quickly and cost too much. Yeah. Well, well, that's Halloween for another year. But uh, thank you for joining us. Um, hope you all enjoyed our interview. And um, I suppose just before we go, um, we should really plug ourselves. So Amanda, where can people find your stuff? They can find it at youtube.com slash bostonwhite and I'm going to have all of my trip videos going up in the next few weeks. So all be 87 one. videos. Um, a million videos, I feel like, because I filmed a lot of stuff. And the first one is going to go up next week. And then every week after that, I'm going to put a new video up. Any special guests in, in your videos? Quite a few. Quite a few. We've got our mate Brady. We've got some people from other podcasts. We've got some friends of the podcast, fellow YouTubers, lots of people. So make sure that you check them out. I think we missed a trick there, Paul, by not sending cardboard cutouts of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does feel a bit like that, doesn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll have to make oh, it. Oh, yeah, Chris Ripley, obviously, is going to be in one of them. That, oh, no, no, yeah. I know, I know. And, he uh, exists. He's real. He's real. He's not <laughs> He's not a figment like no. figment. P-Dubs, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the Strike podcast, the Marvel podcast that we, me and Craig are involved in. Um, there was a new episode just over a week ago, went up. And the next one will be a Doctor Strange review. Very good. So, yes, another podcast on the After Podcast Network. Um, if people want to follow me, they can find me on Twitter at uh, the NIC Soap Dish, because I can't spell Nick. And um, you can also interact with us on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash disafterdark, I believe. If yep. it's not, it should be, but I'm pretty sure that's that's us. If not, just type in Disaster, you'll find us. Um, but thank you for joining us, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. And uh, before that, I believe a Universal After Dark is coming out with uh, Amanda and Chris's trip reports. Yes, so, uh, it's going to be so exciting. Keep your eyes peeled, and we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Happy Halloween, boo to you and you. Right, so it's it's time to talk about the other sponsor we have uh, for the Arthur Up Podcast Network. And, gents, if you were thinking, as you, you have done previously and you will do again, if you were thinking about uh, booking a trip to, you know, one of the parks that we've talked about, who would you think of of asking, or, or at least approaching? Well, there's only one name, one name that springs to mind only. Wendy, so Wendy's so famous, she's only got one name like Madonna or Cher. Well, it's not actually true. She has she has two because she's got a surname as well, which is Pratter. So of course, Wendy Pratter at Magical, Magical Journeys Travels. It's so we're so well prepared with this. It's like we've been practicing all day, finishing off each other's sentences, sandwiches. For God's sake, (laughs) this is totally unorganised. But we may be unorganised, but Wendy is not. Oh, smooth. You see? That's what she did that. That's what she's there for. Um, I'm a big fan of your work. Oh, well, we're a big fan of Wendy's work, which is is the point more than that. Um, You know, whether you've been to Disney one or a hundred times, there's still lots of planning involved, and I think we can all attest to that. Yep. And the brokers yeah. are good as well. They are. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Um, and of course, now with Magic Bands, everything else is even more complex. I mean, geez, the last time I went, it was much easier than it is nowadays. So, you know, Wendy can be the person to take away that pain of getting a reservation for Be Our Guest. Where, friend of the show, that Florida guy just tried, tried the grey stuff. Yeah. hasn't reported back yet as to what it tasted like um, and you know you could try and get a fast pass for Anna and Elsa 
Now, if us mere uh, muggles or, or mortals uh, tried to get a fast pass for be our guest or anyone else and meet and greets, how successful do you think we would be? Well, I've already failed. I didn't get I didn't get an idea for be our guest. Say so. I wish I I wish I'd gone to Wendy for that one. Wendy, not just the home of good burgers, but the mm-hmm. home of good travel planning. So visit Wendy at wpmagicjourneys.com, or you can contact her on Twitter at wpmagicjourneys. And of course, if you mention that you heard one of our amazing podcasts. Uh, and that's how you got to uh, to hear of Wendy. Uh, she'll give you twenty five dollars off your deposit for any trip package. And uh, our own Mr. Ripley at the moment has been on a one of the Disney cruises, and uh, she's able to offer generous on board credits for Disney Cruise Lines as well. Something to bear in mind. So if you are thinking of uh, of you know making a trip before you go anywhere else, go and find Wendy Pratt at Magical Journeys Travels. WPMagicJourneys.com Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you'll feel like a prat. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is part of the After Dark Podcast Network.